This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what is changing in the industry and we take it to the front lines to those that are driving those changes. As always, my name is Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Home Services, which has Triangle Pest as well as Triangle Lawn as well as the CEO of Comarch, a digital marketing and sales services organization for the pest and lawn industries. And with me is the highest of highliest, uh, the most highly esteemed of the highest esteemed, Mr. Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to say hello and introduce our topic? I actually want to introduce our guest today. Sure, I will let you introduce your the topic today because this is right up your ballywick, but uh, hello everybody. Uh, we are uh, excited to have two uh, guests from uh, Colmarch. And um, well, since this is your your Ballywick, Donnie, why don't you uh, introduce them and introduce the topic and I'll just uh, chime in and you know, throw, throw bombs that. where I can. And for all of our listeners, um, yes, you are correct. Dan just did have an elderly moment. So he is from PCO Bookkeepers and PCO M&A Specialists, as well as Turf Books. He forgot to say that, which I'm sure none of our listeners know that anyway, because we never say it on any of our episodes. So we'll start there. And then the other part is, so yes, so our topic today is how to maximize your Google paid budget, which I cannot think of a better topic because it is very relevant. I know at Triangle, this is something that we are taking a good hard look at and we're trying to optimize and i'm super excited today because we have two search engine marketing experts katie and alana uh, so katie is director of in-market accounts and alana is our sem director from comarch i have worked with both of them for a number of years they are fantastic folks and one quick note alana i've not flown with you yet but i've flown with katie many a time i flew with you once Oh, I wanted to follow me once. Well, Katie is quite the passenger whisperer. Is that even such a thing? But she kept sure. me very entertained with crazy questions that I would never think that I would ever be asked, but she's very good at that. So with that, Alana and Katie, welcome. Can you please just give us a brief background about your experience, what you're doing there at Colmarch, and then we can kind of jump right in. I'll start with you first, Katie. All right, awesome. Thank you guys, first of all, for having us on here. Uh, my name is Katie McCaskill, and I've been with Colmarch for about six and a half years now. Um, like Donnie mentioned, I oversee the mid-market accounts team. Um, my background started in more of a general marketing role where I did a little bit of everything, but execution of the marketing tactics was never my strong suit. So when I was given the opportunity to move into more of a client facing role, focus more on the business owner, the customers that we work with, that is the path that I took. Um, so my passion is really tied into the people, the business owners or contributors in businesses that my team is working with on a day-to-day -day basis. So I'm working on ensuring that our team is just making the best decisions for strategies that are gonna impact our clients' bottom line, and then also just trying to make sure that we are providing an unmatched customer experience. Um, but in order to do that, we really have to know our clients' businesses really well. So what are their goals? What are their pain points? What are they seeing internally as a result of our efforts? Um, what things outside of marketing are playing a role in how their businesses are performing and then more. So really just taking a look at that big picture overall and then seeing how that aligns with what we're doing from a marketing standpoint. All right, Alana, 
You're following Katie now. That's a tough act to follow. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. My name is Alana Young. Um, I've been with Coal March for over five years now. I have the pleasure of leading our very awesome SEM team who handles all of the paid search marketing for our clients. Uh, very similar to Katie, when I started out my career, I was also in a very generalized marketing role, which I'm actually really grateful for looking back just because it, I think it gave me a really well-rounded view of how everything works together in the digital marketing space as well as in the industry. Um, my passion really lied and continues to lie in SEM or PPC. You might hear me kind of interchange those two beautiful acronyms. Uh, but I took the route of focusing solely on SEM after having that more generalized role. That was where my passion lied. And along the way, I've also found a passion for managing people. So I'm really enjoying managing this awesome um, SEM team here at Colmarch. Well, welcome, you guys. It's a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Um, and I want to jump in right into, so so Dan and I, um, we just did a kind of a QT wrap-up episode where we were talking about um, pay-per-click. And, and we, we were both, is lamenting the right word, Dan? We were, uh, I, I don't, we, yeah, we were, we, we were whining. We were, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we were we were wanting. So we were talking about how much more expensive it is, and how pay per click is more expensive than ever. Um, and so you know, I I took a couple of shots as to why I think this is happening, and you know, and why the trend is actually driving upward. And so, Alana, can you just kind of give some clarity here, like what's really happening and what's driving this trend? In my mind, the wrong direction, but I don't think it's going to change. Can you just walk us through that? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. Wrong direction, not my favorite direction to go in. Um, but yeah, Donnie, you were a pretty early adopter of pay-per-click with Triangle Pest Control. So I know you more than anyone have experienced firsthand just how much the landscape has changed over the years. Uh, it's always been really normal to see the average cost per clicks kind of going up each year. That's just the nature of the game. Uh, usually we don't see it go more than 50 cents to a dollar uh, each year. But it's been a wild past couple of years. Um, if you don't know, platforms like Google Ads and Microsoft Ads, which you may know as Bing, um, are set up in an auction format. So you're trying out big competitors in your area to get those coveted top three spots at the top of the search engine results page. So in normal years, we'd see that go up just a little bit. Uh, but like everything else that COVID has affected, the impact that it's had on the search landscape has been really huge. One of the biggest changes that we've seen has been the sheer amount of companies that are using these platforms that maybe had never touched it before. There were so many companies that relied on door-to-door -door sales that had to shift their strategy online and really flooded that paid landscape. Um, so companies that had been on the results page before like Triangle Pest Control and were just absolutely dominating were finding themselves not only having to pay more and more to maintain the same ranking they had before, they're now one of many companies that users have to choose from. So standing out is more difficult than it was in the past. It's also more important than it used to be. And it's something we have to put a lot more effort into um, compared to the past. So and, oh, there's two ahead. things I want to talk about with that, because, well, first of all, Dan, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit and, and we're going to just have a little fun. So do you think, Dan, that there's just a boatload of money from PPP 
and folks use that to, you know, everyone kind of got those. And we're talking specifically pest and lawn now. I didn't, I mean, there's, I'm going to be careful how I say this, but I will say that the vast majority of pest and lawn probably was not negatively affected by COVID in terms of sales. So the, it, the PPP money on the business side, for sure, and on the customer side, there was a lot of stimulus money. So the, the businesses were able to spend more on whatever they wanted, advertising being one thing, and the uh, consumer being able to spend more because they had more because of all the stimulus that was coming out. And that's what made for this incredible economy that's uh, kind of um, a little bit shaky right now. But uh, but so <laughs> I have a question for Alana based on what you just said. So Google, ba based on what you said, you know, we, we can say that fuel's going up, inflation, labor's going up, inflation. Mm -hmm. PPC is not going up because of inflation. PPC is going up because of supply and demand as well as um, just Google being able to grab whatever they want. Would you agree with that or? I would, you know, you would think with the way that things are right now that we would see demand kind of going down. It's what I would expect as people start cutting out sort of things in their day-to-day -day life that might be a little, um, I guess, extra, especially when it comes to lawn care, it's a little more elective, uh, not as much of a need as pest control. But I really haven't seen demand go down like we thought it would. It's really just the conversion rates are going down. So the rates that people are clicking on something and then contacting the company are what's decreasing. I think a big part of that is just the amount of options that they have out there means that you know, they might click on your website, but they might go take a look at five others after that because there's just a plethora of options to choose from, which can be overwhelming. So I'm not sure whether the two of you have ever done a case study. I know you didn't live through it because you probably not. The, but this is exactly what happened to Yellow Pages, right? When I got into the business in the late 80s, you put a dollar into Yellow Pages, you got $10 back. And then it ultimately, by the time it petered out, it was dollar for dollar or less. Do you see that happening here? Is that what's going to happen? Donnie, chime in as well. Yeah, I, you know, a couple of thoughts. Number one is... Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that, are you going to have to pay more for what you get? Yeah. Yeah, you are. I mean, that's just the reality. I mean, the more that we have these experiences where people are using the platform and are not touching your website or using other forms of like, you know, for example, if they go to Google local services or whatever. Um, and I've, there's a term for that and help me out here, but, you know, offsite conversion to whatever the more you have of those i mean it's just going to drive up the cost right having said all of that it's different than yellow pages because literally you put it in you can't change it the strategy was how much can i spend to get my position and how long am i in and that was the end of the strategy this is more sophisticated and so i in that sense i see it being different you know you're still going to have to run a digital strategy you're still going to have to be on your a game to compete it's not as simple um it's not as simple as it was in the yellow pages because i did the same thing i was in yellow pages when i first started and you know once digital started taking off i was like what am i doing and i got out but but you know the fact of the matter is is that yes pricing is going up sophistication and and how you rank and all the factors going to that is i mean it's just getting more complex so now 
let's bring this back to you, Katie, because now you're the one that has to go back and talk to clients about this. That's right. Yeah, I don't, as, as the director, I don't really get to work with my own clients anymore. So if I'm talking to a client, somebody is not happy. Uh, but I would say that this conversation is probably one of the most common ones that I've been looped into definitely this summer, but really over the last year or so. It's just people that have been with us or have run Google ads for a long time are just seeing, like Alana mentioned, they're paying either the same or more um, for less or, you know, in some cases, drastically less leads than they were getting for that same spend before. Um, so I would say across our, our client base, this is definitely something that's a trend. It's not you know based on budget or based on how their site performs. It's just really overall uh, a big pain point that businesses are seeing and then figuring out how they can pivot from there. How do we you know make the most of what we do? How do we work strategically to stay competitive? So I would say our teams work really closely together, but this summer there's been so much more collaboration between the internal teams at Colmart specifically of trying to figure out you know, how do we find the best strategy to make sure that clients are getting the most for these dollars when it doesn't look anything like it did in years past. So, so Donnie, you said something, Donnie, you said something interesting that yeah, it's different, but it's kind of the same as yellow pages. But my question was, even though it is more sophisticated and you do have to put more work in it, you used to write a check once a year or sign off on your yellow pages. And today you dial it up and dial it back every day, but it is the same strategy. Do you see it getting to dollar for dollar or worse? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. Yes. And yes. So. Well, I mean, think about it, right? So if you're out and we, we're going to throw out multiples because Dan loves it when I throw out multiples because we can't back them up, but let's just go with the, the gold standard of three X, right? At the end of the day, if, 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 if a company is going for three X, which, you know, I know at one point we we're up at four X, we might be back down to two and a half. Who knows what it is? I'm just using it as a reference point. In any case, it's more than one. And so if I'm Donnie Shelton, I'm trying to grow a business and I'm looking at a company I'm going to buy or, you know, for three X, let's call it two and a half X. Now, there might be some volume reasons why I may do that. There may be an area I want to go in that may make sense. Or I can buy it for a dollar, dollar for dollar. That's still that math equation works. Right. Well, I'm not testing the equation. I'm just saying you used to be able to buy, you know, uh, well, yellow pages for 10 to one. And probably when you got into digital, it was 10 to one. And then it goes to five uh, to one, which. Yeah. Those know, days are old. I, you know, again, and, and to I can't tell you, is it 80 cents on the dollar now? Is it 50? Hell, I don't know. Because a lot of it is, where am I located, right? Some markets are ridiculous. Some markets are, you know, they're still a good deal. Uh, so it's still pretty localized. And, and I think mainly because of the, you know, just the, the competition that's coming on. I mean, depending on who your competitors are, which is no different. If you think about it, like if, if I'm in mass media, which by the way, Katie and Alana, sorry, Dan and I now are going to start. We're not going to, we're going down a road here. So let's just have a little fun. So, we are along for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you Strap think about it. it, right? Yeah. So there's some markets, for example, that I can do mass media and it makes sense. So we have clients down in Tallahassee. They're big on radio, they're big on TV. They kill it on there They because they have the money to dominate those channels. And that amount is not, you know, it's just not horrid, right? You can't go and do that in Atlanta or New York or, I mean, I mean, using those larger cities, but even Raleigh, right? For example, I mean, you've got to have a lot of coin 
to own those channels to, for it to make a difference. And I think, you know, digital is going to go the same way. There are going to be some markets where you're going to have to play in a neighborhood or a town or a zip code, and you're not going to be able to play the whole market with paid ads because it's just, you're just not going to have pockets deep enough to do that. There's a lot of bigger players out there. You go head to head, they're going to pummel you. And so I just think that's really where that is going to go. And I think it's probably already there in a lot of markets. And so, you know, I think the idea of just being focused and I love what you said, Alana, as you were finished up before, which is where you got to start finding ways to stand out. Now it's not as easy as, well, I've got, you know, $5,000 in my paid budget this month. I'll just outbid everyone in my hours for these keywords and I'm good to go. That, that, that strategy may work in some markets. I think it's changing a, a lot more. So, uh, and then, and then, and I'm, I'm having fun here. So, so in the spirit of change, Alana, let's talk a little bit about what you have seen. Uh, because I think, you know, we have seen at least what I have seen. I mean, and by the way, you're way deeper in this than I ever am, probably ever will be. In fact, I know more than I'll ever be. But, you know, it seems like more and more we're getting less and less control uh, as an advertiser. And it's kind of like, here's your program and that's you just got to deal with it. So pony up the cash. So can you just walk us through some of the changes that you've seen over the past two years and kind of what the impact is for for advertisers like, you know, past and long companies. Absolutely. So for the longest time, we had the benefit of Google changing maybe one to two very small things a year. So it made it very easy for us to, you know, slightly adjust our strategy, but still work with the same sort of core strategy at the end of the day to meet the same results. Uh, but post COVID, Google took a hit, of course, uh, you wouldn't think that based on the amount of competition that has gone up, but if you look at the numbers, um, they definitely took a hit and had to kind of adjust from there. So a lot of the changes that they've made in the past two years, I hate to throw them under the bus, but kind of directly impact their pockets, their line in their pockets with as much as they can to kind of catch up after that. Um, so a lot of what they're doing to kind of make up that money is taking some of the control away from the advertisers. So in the past, we could you know, put in whatever keywords you want and it would show up, your ads would show up for exactly what you had in there. Um, a huge shift that we've seen since, I wanna say June of last year, it's only been about a year, but it's been a big impact, has been more focus on the user's intent rather than the keywords themselves, which sounds really nice. It sounds like you only have to put in all of the keywords that you think users are searching for and Google will fill in the rest. That sounds great, but the danger is that Google is assuming the intent, but they don't know our industry like we do. So we may know that someone searching for how to get rid of bed bugs is gonna have a really different intention than someone searching for pest control companies or exterminator near me. So our strategy and, and in the this, past- This is a really important point. So I just wanna, I wanna highlight this for our audience because this is absolutely critical. You know, the, the fact is, is that you think about Google and how large they are and, and I don't care how great their algorithm is, they're just not gonna be in the details or in our customer minds like we are. Like, we you know what I mean? They're just not. And, and I mean, you know, Google is all things, you know? I mean, everything from, I mean, everything, every product, every service, right? They got, they got to cover that. And so an algorithm may be good, uh, but it's not gonna be as good as, you know, us knowing exactly what, I mean, we, you know, Google doesn't take phone calls like that and analyze the calls. And so that's a really important point because, you know, 
now you can't you can't run the psychological controls like you used to. So continue on. Sorry. Just make that Absolutely. point for our listeners. <laughs> no, you're good. And it doesn't help that Google's a complete monopoly, right? So there's no other options to dominate in this industry besides Google. You can supplement it with other platforms, but that's kind of the big one. Uh, so our strategy in the past, we could really separate out those keywords and control the user experience from start to finish. So if someone's searching for um, let's say how to get rid of bed bugs. The ads will say how to get rid of bed bugs. It'll have a page that is dedicated to someone that might be looking for a DIY situation and trying to convince them to get a service instead. Um, so we were able to control that experience from start to finish. And what we're seeing now is it's kind of crossing the wires almost. And you know, if someone's searching for how to get rid of bed bugs, it might trigger a pest control ad, in which case someone goes to a pest control page, they see pricing for pest control. They see benefits of the pest control service. They don't see that you offer heat treatments and, uh, you know, warranty or something like that. So you're missing so much of the information that you're hoping that the user will have by the time that they contact you. And you're also wasting money on those keywords. You know, you wouldn't want to pay the same amount for how to get rid of bed bugs as you would pest control company because you know the intention of that is going to be so different. So right. if we can cut out that kind of intention of DIY or product-based searches, you have a much better chance of selling that person by the time you get them on the phone and you have a better chance of getting them on the phone in the first place. So it's been a big so change. We, we have a client who is in lawn care and he was having a discussion with me that, you know, he, he does fertilization services. He doesn't do, you know, mowing or anything else. But he said that like in, in some of the Google that, that he can't uh, separate them, even though you know, and, and he's got to pay for those leads. Uh, is there a way to vet those or, or you know, knock out the lawn mowing or? You can, like especially as Google local services, but who's going to take the time to go through every single call? You know, I mean, it, I'm going to summarize a little bit here what Lana just said. I mean, at the end of the day, Google is getting greedier and Google's taking away control. Right. And I realized by you, I mean, I'm going to tell a quick story and I realize I'm, I'm going to get on the way of risque by telling the story. And by the way, by me telling this story, don't anyone go political on me and don't, especially you, Dan, because I know you like to talk about politics. And this is not a dig either way, but do you guys remember TiVo? Do you guys remember when TiVo came out? Do you know what I'm yes. talking about when I'm talking about TiVo? Dan, do you know what I'm talking about when I say TiVo? Well, you know, I was quite young at the time, but go ahead. <laughs> so yeah, so TiVo was a was a little box, and you would watch TV, and it was basically like the first DVR, and it would learn what you liked, and then it would go out and scour and 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 curate other programs that were similar to your likes. And when it first came out, it was freaking hilarious. There was articles like there was this one article I read, and I I literally had tears come in my eyes. It says my TiVo thinks I'm gay. How do I tell it that I'm not? Because it continued to like <laughs> record shows based on what, I mean, whatever this person, is. and it wasn't hilarious. So, so I bring that back to bring it back to this is like, you know, when you talk about like what Google's doing now, you know, these searches and these interests don't line up to a buyer always, you know, I mean, when I was thinking about even triangle, we used to have this pest library. I think we still do. And my traffic was through the roof, but that traffic wasn't converting because it was informational traffic. It wasn't it wasn't people who had a problem who were ready to. I, I, so I was just going to say that when we discuss all this, we're in a marketing mode, but people use Google to educate themselves and, you know, right. non-commercial. No intention things. of buying. 
not even a problem, you know. So, all right. So let's 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 flip out of you know Google's awful and they're they're greedy and their expenses and they're taking away. That's control. my favorite topic. Yes. <laughs> well, it, it's funny. It, we're, we're recording this on what the twenty seventh of July, and uh, I'm watching the news, and uh, you know Google had uh, announced their uh, earnings, and they said that their ad revenue is slowing. Um, are you seeing that? <laughs> I'm not sure I believe that, but I could picture companies maybe pulling out because they're not getting the same value that they used to get. So maybe that's where that's coming from. So let's yeah. let's transition here. And OK, we, we've preached everyone to hell here. Now let's bring them back. So now let's talk about what can an owner do? What can an operator do? All right. We obviously know the environment's changing. It's getting much more competitive. It's getting much more difficult. So what are some things, you know, maybe just like a top three, hey, I am looking to, you know, maximize. I mean, obviously, this is all about maximizing your paid budget. What are some things, let's just maybe top three that you are aware of that, that, that someone could do that, that may, you know, enable them to get much better results with their paid money? So we'll start with you, Alana, and then Katie, I, wanna, I want you to kind of give the the client perspective as well because this this really is one of those things where you got to align what the owner wants with what the reality is so we'll start with you alana and have you go katie yeah absolutely i'd say the biggest thing that i will preach to absolutely every pest control business owner is to get set up on local services by google um, if you're a, a coal merch client, you probably are already on there. So you're probably already covered. You can ignore me from here on out. But if you're not, I highly encourage getting set up on it. It's really easy to set up. It's pretty fast. Anyone can do it without you know, marketing specialists. You only have to pay for qualified leads. That's kind of the kicker compared to Google Ads. You don't know the quality of the leads from Google Ads all the time. But uh, you can dispute leads in local services, which is a really great benefit. You guys probably talk about this on the show all the time, so I'm sure this is not news to anyone that's listening, but uh, the last benefit of local services is that those ads are taking up essentially most of the search engine results page at this point, especially if on if you're on a mobile phone, it's taking up over half your screen, and we know that mobile searches are going up, so uh, that can only help you from there. I will preface it by saying that it's really successful for pest control, but when it comes to lawn care, kind of touching on what you said, Dan, Google doesn't understand how lawn care works. It's lumping in mowing with maintenance and fertilization, and you can't separate out those two like you would for Google Ads. So what we're finding is if you use it for lawn care and you don't do mowing, it's not usually a very successful option. Um, but if you're in the pest control industry or any other service-based uh, industry, I'd say it's a game changer. Definitely set it up if you haven't already. Talk to your your marketing specialist about it. All right, Katie. Yeah, so from the client side of things, I think one of the most common things that I hear when people have not gotten it set up yet is they don't want to take the time to do it. Like Alana said, it's pretty simple. You do have to fill out a background check, though, and I think that that can kind of take a back seat uh, when people are thinking about you know all of the other things they have going on. So we already talked a little bit about the labor shortage, um, fuel costs, all of these other things. Business owners have a lot of other priorities. Um, so my recommendation would be if you can't do it right now, you're probably in the height of your season. That's okay. But by 2023, go ahead and set aside a time to get that done and have it ready to go by January so that you can take advantage of what's going to happen in February, March, April of 2023. So don't push it any further than December. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. So number one is Google local services. Get it, want it, 
or I don't know. I can't make anything <laughs> uh, super. I can't make anything rhyme from that. But but in any case, if you're not on Google Local Services, if you don't have it set up, oh, and the other thing I would add to that is make sure that you keep up with it uh, because really? it can go away, right? You can set it up, and then according to Google, your license expired or something happened with your insurance or whatever. And bloop, it's gone. So just make sure that you're managing it. It is easy to set up, um, but but you just gotta. It's not a set. Explain that one, Donnie. Something happened with your insurance. Like, how do they know? What? Yeah. So so they so, validate all that stuff. And in fact, we had this happen at Triangle, um, our lovely state, which whom I love. Uh, I actually do love North Carolina, but and I and I don't want to be too critical here when I say this, but. Um, so obviously we have to be licensed in North Carolina for pest. And, and so we actually have to take a picture and put in the licensing, uh, dates. And so our license passed and no fault of our own. We had submitted everything, but the state, you know, was down to people and they had not given us our new license yet. And so according to Google, we were unlicensed and there was not a thing we could do about it. We called the state. And they're like, hey, we're two people down. You'll get it when you get it. And so we ended up being two weeks off Google local services because we were not verified. We were not insured. Google's crawling, Google's crawling that date? Or you have to submit Google that. Know. Yeah, you have to submit that okay. when you get, when you get Google. Front, I see. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I guess my point is, is like you still have to manage it, right? You, just because you went in and you, you got all set up and, you know, don't don't go walking away thinking, you, you know, you won the football game because it's not over. So. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. so you have to know the date that you put in that your license expires and update it. And you typically would know that. And if, you know, I mean, absolute shameless plug right now for Comarch. If you're a Comarch client, we obviously manage that. We, we, we know what those dates are and we're going to tell you and say, hey, man, what's going on? So we will also be looking at it as well. So, all right. So number one is Google Local Services. Number two, because I want to make sure we have time to get through all three of these. Number two, Alana, what you got? Definitely. I'll try to make this one quick and I'll pass it over to Katie to add a little more color to it. But my second recommendation would be just to take some time to really figure out what flexibility you have in your monthly budgets going into the rest of the busy season. I know we'll be wrapping up soon and too often I see business owners be a little more hesitant to spend during the summer. And then when we get to the end of the year and out of the busy season, they've got this marketing budget left over that they had planned for the year and they're trying to spend it when the demand is down, when conversion rates are down, it's not going to be nearly as successful. So stay within your means, of course, definitely take a look at the numbers. I'm not on the numbers side of every business, so I can't speak to that part, but just taking some time to kind of reevaluate what makes sense for the last half of the year, what's going to get you the most value for your business. What do you choke up? What, 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 why do people want to dial back in the summer? Is it because they don't have the, enough labor to get it done? Why Why would anybody, I'm just, you know, I, I can't even imagine saying, let's not advertise in the summer and let's advertise in the winter. That seems. They're, I don't think they're saying let's not advertise. I think they're, they're not going, I mean, okay. So hang on. Katie has a lot more experience in this. I can tell you what I see, what I think. And then Katie can say I'm crazy and, and and completely out of touch. But one of the things I see is people not tracking their cost per sale and their cost per lead. And so therefore they're scared. And so, you know, the money's out there. They've got a great CPS, but the numbers are high. Right. So so let's just say they normally would spend ten thousand dollars a month. They're at 15 now 
and they're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm hitting my budget. I'm already over my budget, but their cost for sale is sitting like around 200 or 175. That is an absolute, like you need to, you need to keep going, right? Don't, but what happens is, is that they hesitate and then they get in the fall. And much like what Alana said, it's like, they're not checking their cost per sale. They're like, well, we only spent 500, we only spent, you know, maybe a couple thousand, 3000 this month. We need to spend more. And now their cost per sale is 350, 400. And so it's, it's not managing your marketing off the real number that drives your marketing, which is cost per sale. So that's what I see. I'm not saying that's in all cases, but, but Katie, I'm sure you can enlighten us here on that one. Yeah, I think that definitely plays a part. And in a lot of situations, I think that people are looking at those overall numbers that maybe their marketing company is reporting. They're looking at the leads um, and then they're not taking that next step to kind of dive in and see what those leads are actually generating. So then maybe it is I'm spending more than I ever have before. Leads look fine, but I don't really know what we're actually closing. Um, and then, Dan, like you said, I do think staffing has been a bigger issue this year than than in years past. And we've had a lot of people that have had to say, I can't keep up with the work that you guys are bringing in. I don't have people to do the job. Um, so we try to kind of tackle that the best way we can. And instead of completely pausing and pulling out, just trying to figure out maybe there's certain services we want to pull away from, um, others that we want to pour more into just to be able to maintain. But I would say it's it's more often that they're not really taking that next step of closing the loop on the numbers that we're reporting and then what they're actually seeing in their office as far as sales go. That's yeah. interesting, though, that what, what you said about so you could literally by getting sticker shock from your ad, you know, whatever. Uh, you, so you dial it back. You could be spending more per sale in the winter than in the summer. Because, you know, the, the, there's less fish in the pond or whatever. But it, does that happen often? I mean, that's that that's really interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to name names here, Dan. This is not this is not, you know, Dan and Donnie Springer. But I will tell you, absolutely, it does happen. And I do see it. And and the reason is, is kind of going back to what I just said before, their office is not tight. They're not really they don't really know. They know leads, but they don't have sales. And they look at the big picture number. They're not tracking the details, the details of what's like I said, the big driver, which is, you know, cost per sale. And so. You know, again, it's not a it's not a great strategy, but it's it's one of the reasons I you know we talked about this way back when. Remember back when we were doing this COVID webinars, and I was talking about this, and I'm like, get your infrastructure in place now, and drive as hard as you can until we know what's going to happen. Remember us talking about that, Dan, and I was like, you know, you need to drive your sales, and, and because we were telling everyone to market like crazy when everyone thought the world was ending. And, you know, remember that? Remember I was talking about that? And then, you know, and I said, you know, then this is not. Well, you know, got to be right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I was so right. No, I'm not trying to say it, but I am making the point. And, it's, <laughs> and that has not changed. You need to have the infrastructure to know what's really happening to the leads. And that's closed loop marketing. That's tracking your calls. And that's tying it all the way back to digital and making sure that you know what you're spending is actually turning into sales. Because... It absolutely is possible that you're doing great in marketing and you really, really suck in sales. And I'm not saying that people do that, but it is, but it, but it can happen. And if you don't know, like if you don't have that level of data, you're like, well, my marketing sucks and you may end up doing more damage to the business than good. So, okay. So, so um, do we, do we want to switch gears to social? Well, I think we want to finish out top three, right? Oh, so I'm we sorry. got one. I'll, I'll, uh, 
I'll chime in with, with just one quick thing. I think what I would consider to be one of the most important things that you can be doing about halfway through the year um, is really, you know, thinking back to what we were just talking about, about how people are tracking things, what you're looking at, what does your infrastructure look like? We're halfway through the year. Do a little bit of a sit down and take a look at what's working well, what's not. Are you trending to hit your annual revenue? And then from a marketing perspective, I think one of the best things that you can do is if you're looking at those numbers, figure out what a max cost per lead is that you're comfortable mm -hmm. with. Um, and then make sure that you're communicating that to your marketing team. Because if we want to tie it back to maximizing your, your Google ads or your paid budget, that's really going to be the key to that. So knowing where we have a little bit of wiggle room uh, to spend a little bit more when it makes sense, and then also knowing when to pull back is just key. So if the person running your ads knows, all right, I know that Donnie is comfortable paying $125 for a new lead, and right now we're trending at about $85, then they're going to be able to take that budget that you already have without needing to spend more. Um, and then have a little bit of room to play with it and be a little bit more competitive in some of those more competitive markets, keywords, whatever whatever it might be, and then generate more clicks, more visibility, while still keeping your overall cost in a spot that makes sense for you and what you're seeing internally. So that would be my, my number one. If you walk away with anything that I have said, figure out what a max cost per lead is and make sure that the person running your ads knows what that is. Yeah, yeah so, so number one, is get on Google local services. Number two is run your marketing off your cost per lead and cost per sale, not off of just being, here's my budget and that's it, because you're leaving a lot on the table. All right, Alana, bring us home here. Number three, and this kind of goes back to what Dan was just asking about, so we'll tie that back in, but, but number three thing you could do. Number three ties in a lot with what we've talked about so far as, as standing out among the competition, and that would be investing more money into branding. I know this is one of your favorite topics lately, Donnie. I know you've been doing some of that on the triangle side, uh, and there's a lot Number of different four. ways to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's of endeavor. Yes, yes. I was gonna say, well, I have been eating my words. By the way, when I wrote the book, Grow, I trashed branding. I didn't trash it, but I just said, if you're smaller, don't brand, buy leads. And that was correct back then. I am beginning to change my tune quite a bit, even if you're smaller. So I apologize, continue on. Donnie's new book, uh, Drink, is out um, soon, so. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. I, I write it, I write on it every day, 100%. So keep going, Alana. I'm waiting on that next book. <laughs> Uh, when I talk about branding, though, there's a couple different methods that you could use for that. So on the digital side, we've got like display ads, Facebook ads, all of those things that we talk about pretty frequently. Those are sort of the cheapest way to get in front of as many people as possible, um, as well as kind of having more targeted audiences for those ads. But the flip side of that is that everyone and their mother are running those ads right now. So it's really hard to kind of break through the noise when it comes to branding. People are getting those messages from all angles. Um, and I think a really viable option for business owners that a lot of people aren't really considering right now is turning to more traditional methods. I found, I see, I sound really silly kind of saying that because I am a digital marketer myself, uh, but I think there is a lot of value to kind of stand out by going back to traditional. Um, so that could be local sponsorships, radio ads, TV ads, things like that. I know you're doing some of that with Triangle Donnie. Um, and I, I definitely wouldn't recommend getting rid of digital marketing by any means. I would recommend doing both at once to kind of complement each other. Um, I think anything that you do traditionally will really help boost your online presence. So 
if you have it in your budget and you can make it work, I, I would highly recommend putting some money towards branding. Even if it's not a ton, you can get pretty far um, with a little bit compared to search. Well, and let's let's dig into this just a little bit. We don't have a ton more time left here, but but because I'm sure if I'm sitting here and I'm a million dollars, like this have a million dollar company or even a you know eight hundred thousand, it's like okay, I can't do that. But the fact is is that you can, right? It's all a matter of scope. You can pick a town, right? You can you can sponsor you can sponsor a ball team. You know, I mean, like there's things that you can do. I mean, you could own Facebook in that town. Right. I mean, so I guess the, the point I want to add to that is that, you know, if you're looking at branding and, and by the way, the reason I wasn't a fan of branding before was because it's just so expensive and it's so That's difficult it, yeah. to track it. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. just don't know. And, it, you know, there's waste in there. Um, but and I hate waste. But but the fact is, is that we don't, you know, and I still feel that way. In, in large markets in some regard, but, but, you know, but you can, if you're a smaller company, you can still do this. You just need to, you just need to dial back the real estate that you're going for. So Katie, your thought on branding. Yeah. I think the big thing to remember is that it is not a lead generator. Initially it's focused primarily on just really getting your name out there. So the immediate goal is not going to be, you know, I'm going to have a bunch of these new customers calling me. Um, but to be able to kind of tie it back to maximizing your budget, I think that if you're working with a marketing company or somebody that knows your budget well, um, and knows your business, just talk to them about what they think makes sense from a percentage wise when it comes to what you want to allocate to branding versus direct response or those more traditional PPC methods. Um, so I know at Colmarch, we have a few different recommendations kind of based on what your annual revenue looks like, what, are, what your other expenses might look like, what your long-term goals are. Um, and then we kind of make a recommendation from there based on what your overall budget looks like. So you need to spend X percent on branding. Um, we have some really big clients that have completely pulled away from branding because they've just been able to dominate the market. But then we have some other big clients that are saying, I want to keep up the traction that I've already made and just see what long-term is going to happen. And then on the flip side, we've got some smaller people that are just, you know, like you mentioned, you guys did at Triangle Donnie, funneling their full budget into those direct response ads. And then some other smaller ones that are trying to explore a little bit more of branding just to see, you know, the landscape is so competitive. I got to try some other things. Let's see how this goes. So I think, you know, Branding is not a one size fits all option. It might look a little bit different for your business than it does, you know, somebody else's. But I think just start the conversation and see where you should go next based on what you're already spending and what your long term goals are. So, so is there any way to measure branding at all or is it just kind of you just have to go with it and see what happens? And so I have some thoughts on this one, because believe me, that's a one question I was asking a lot at the beginning of the year. So. One of the things that we do at Triangle is I look at overall search volume and I look at branded search. So my preference would be someone searching Triangle Pest Control, which, by the way, we're located in the Triangle, at least in the Raleigh market. Let's go to a different market. Let's go to Charlotte or something like that. But if my branded searches are going up, that means people know my name. So that's number one. The, the second one is, is my overall volume up. Now, this is a tough one because that may not it's not the best indicator. Because the fact is, is that, well, there's these offsite transactions that are happening, these offsite conversions that are happening. And so I may be doing quite well in branding, but it not come out in volume, meaning traffic volume. So that's when you got to look at your sales and you got to look at the overall leads. And, you know, uh, I hate it, but it's just one of those things where you've got to, 
you got to go really, really big picture and just say, are we getting bigger? Are we getting more? The answer is yes. Then what you're doing is working. Should we go back to the old quote of, you know, 50% is working, 50 is not. I just don't know which 50. I don't know. But the fact is, is that you know that what you are doing in branding is having an impact. And so, so how this did, has how been. Did, how do you, um, what, what about um, um, uh, need phone numbers and. Um, yeah, 100%. Specific landing pages. Yeah, 100%. Like that, so. Yeah, so the, and that's that's another thing that you can do as well. But even then, you know, you got to, you know, attribution sucks, by the way. <laughs> I hate attribution, and I love it. I hate it because even if someone has heard your commercial 10 times on the radio back and forth to work, when they got a problem, what are they going to do? Yeah, they're going to go digital, right? And same thing for, you know, TV, you know, I mean, you name it, right? So attribution, this, that's why I hate it is because you, you you never really know 100% like what, what psychological button did you push to actually make a call? Um, you can only guess. And, and, and I love it because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we do have to put some sort of number to platforms so that we can optimize our budgets. And so, um, that's, you know, it's just one of those things where the vast majority of folks are probably going to turn back to digital at some point if they're going to make a call to you. Um, so, well, I'm going to summarize this, at least I'm going to attempt to. So the top three that I'm getting is number one is that you need to be on Google local services. Number two, you need to actively manage your budget with stats that actually drive your budget, which is CPL or CPS. And then number three is just don't compete with your mom. Is that what you got out of that, Dan? Don't compete with your mom? No. <laughs> no. Number three, <laughs> Number three is, is that branding, brand in a smart way. And so, so Alana and Katie, it has been fantastic having you guys uh, out. I mean, we didn't get through, which, by the way, Dan, can we just take a moment and just, I mean, just like a moment of just all of how well they came prepared for this. They, they, by the way, Dan and I, and I'm sure our listeners already know this. We don't, I mean, we have a general outline, but it's like five or six points and that's it. Alana and Katie came out Four with points, this. Just half yeah. a page. Oh, this Four thing peppers. is, this thing is something to behold. Let me just tell you. This, this is War thing, and Peace right here. Yes. <laughs> so. We had to, we had to be ready for anything you guys were going to throw our way. So exactly. <laughs> But, I, you know, Alana and Katie, I do want to thank you guys for, for coming out. It, this has been a fantastic uh, episode. Appreciate your time. I will. Uh, and just a reminder for all of our listeners, all the resources and topics that we talk about or we talked about today on the podcast is going to be available on PMPIndustryInsider.com. Just look under show notes. Of course, you can always look us up at ColeMarch.com. I know Katie likes talking. She would be happy to talk to you. Um, if you've got questions or concerns, Alana, I don't think Alana doesn't talk to too many clients, although she does talk to us at Triangle uh, sometimes when we're trying to troubleshoot some things, but I'm sure she's available as well. So with that, Dan, any parting thoughts before we finish out here? Nope. I think that that was a terrific episode and maybe uh, in the future we can have the both of you back and uh, talk about the rest of War and Peace, maybe chapter two. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I want to hear about social and TikTok. Because I just love TikTok. It's my favorite social platform. Oh, I'm I, sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Thanks guys. So Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.